There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Pop Culture, the podcast that brings soft drinks to the top of the menu. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and lifelong teetotaler. And I'm Kat Brown, jack of all trades and four years sober. Happy New Year and welcome to our first official episode. I'm so delighted to be here. I mean, I co-host it, but still delighted. (laughs) Hello to everybody listening. I hope you enjoyed our Meet the Hosts episodes over Christmas and that you all managed to survive Christmas without drinking too much Coca-Cola. Yeah, I think that's a fair hope for everyone. Helen, as my resident Schlur fanatic, how much Schlur (laughs) did the O'Hara family sink this Christmas? You know what? We were enormously restrained this year. I think we only got through like two bottles of Schlur. What? I know, and this is genuinely about a sixth of our normal intake uh, over the Christmas period. But we were at my brother's house. He lives near a Morrison's. We went in and we got interesting cordials and like just a, a, a sea of sparkling water. Put the two together and boom, magic. Don't tell Schler, they'll be so upset. I'm a bit upset on their behalf. I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. But look, it's still part of the celebrations for us. I didn't go near Cordial, except for a delicious meal before Christmas. I went to Oban in Brixton and had this really delicious yuzu and soda concoction, which was completely mind-blowingly crisp and delicious. But my Christmas was mostly sponsored by the vast amount of Duke's Cordialities cans and Peroni Zero that I got from the Whitney Waitrose in a panic buy on Christmas Eve because I thought we didn't have any and it turned out once again I am the least observant person I know and I just failed to notice an entire shelf of non-alcoholic drinks at my in-laws Oh, I also drank an entire bottle of Nozeco to myself. Unsurprisingly, everybody else was drinking fizz on Christmas Day. It was really nice. Really rated that. I saw a bottle of that this morning, was tempted to try it out for this, but decided not to. That's fine, Helen. We'll work up to it. (laughs) You don't have to try any of the... Actually, something... 
that I really realised when I was listening to your episode. I mean, admittedly, I'd interviewed you in the first place, but who knows what I was thinking of at the time. Lollipops, probably. When you were talking about the Fat Duck menu, the lovely non-alcoholic flight that they do, and looking at it going, oh, but lots of them are non-alcoholic beers or non-alcoholic wines, and maybe they're not for you. Mm. And I think there is a huge difference now, thank goodness, between basically those drinks that have just had the alcohol removed and then have just been thrust at people going, it's basically the same, and it's, it's not. It's always revolting and disappointing. And what is coming up now, which is beers, wines to a lesser extent, all sorts of things that have really been created with being non-alcoholic, but also having flavour at their very heart. So God knows we've got a long way to go on this, and I'm absolutely not going to force you into drinking all of these things, A, at all, because wrong, but also we've got a year. Let's work up to it. Absolutely. And look, I am here to try new things, and it has already kind of helped me, because we've been talking about this podcast, obviously you and I, for quite some time. I've been paying a bit more attention in shops to what's there and soft drinks menus and things, being wildly disappointed with many restaurant soft drinks menus, including some that really should know yes. better but also some that are fantastic I went to Deschum for brunch with my family mm-hmm. um, after Christmas we sank approximately 10 gallons of the chocolate chai over the oh, course of our lunch so but they have an entire teetotal menu what? Yes, they have a totally different book, the same size, as far as I could tell, as the alcoholic drinks oh, book. wonderful. Just filled with non-alcoholic drinks. That is amazing, because I think the last time that I went, I physically went to a Deschum was before I stopped drinking alcohol. So I probably went, hmm, chai, and then just zoomed straight forward to whatever sort of boozy cocktails they had. Oh, but that's amazing. And chai, actually. You and I went to Chai Guys in Covent Garden we did. a few weeks ago when I was lucky enough to follow you on one of your time-honoured trips to the Christmas departments of the big department stores. God, that was just delicious. Mm. Is there anything that tea, spices and vast quantities of sugar can't achieve? I don't think so. If there is, I certainly don't ever want to find out. Well, look, speaking of delicious things, and because I'm absolutely gagging to open these and try them, you've bought a bunch of gorgeous things today. Thank you so much. I'm going to make the executive decision to try these, partly because they're in a can and pre-mixed, and that is nice and easy, and I just don't have the energy. These are Bax Botanics non-alcoholic cocktails. We've got one here, Zingy Lemon and Verbena and Tonic, and Smooth Sea Buckthorn and Tonic. Sea buckthorn or anything with sea in front of it usually just makes me gag and think of seaweed. I'm assuming that's not (laughs) going to be the case in these. Have you had these before? I have had them before and they are both, I think, very nice. The sea buckthorn is, I believe, a shrub, a deciduous shrub. (laughs) Not in the sense of a shrub like the drink, but the shrub is in the bush. Oh, this has absolutely already given me something to learn in the new year, (laughs) Helen. Thank you very much. Okay, right. Let's pour away. I have got us some beautiful crystal glasses with lovely big ice cubes. Not the ice cubes, but the glasses, I think, came from Bath Farmers Market Antiques Fair. Always nice to have non-alcoholic drinks and good glasses. Mm, Let's absolutely. Go. Oh, that absolutely in no way tastes like it's good for me. That is delicious. I've got the, the lemon one and, oh, that's just really crisp, which I know everybody says whenever anything to do with tonic is there. But also, crucially, it's not just tonic and then something disappointing coming after it. Mm. It really, it's got layers. I love it. Mary Berry might say it was laminated. I don't think you can do that with a drink. Can I try the sea buckthorn? Absolutely, please. I'll try the lemon again. Yeah, this is lovely. 
Oh, lovely. Mm. Mercifully, no touch of seaweed in that at all. <laughs> Tastes a bit autumnal, almost. Mm. Again, there is, it's there is something. How can it? But no, but there still. is something of, I don't know, woodlands or something about it. Um, and it's not just the quinine sort of barkiness of the tonic. I really like them both. I think that the lemony one, it's not a lemonade. It doesn't taste as no. flat or as simple as that. It's got a lot more going on. That is really alive. But if this I, one's lovely and spicy or something. Yeah, nice. definitely. One of the things that I missed most about taking the train, although given the current state of trains in the UK, pretty much nothing was the concept of gin in a tin. Mm. So you run to M&S at the station, pick up a bunch of them, and then just have a merry old time on the train home. This zingy lemon verbena and tonic, I would absolutely take two or three of these on the train and be delighted with it. This is a brand that uses a lot of organic ingredients, locally grown and that kind of stuff. So while there's a bit of sugar, we can deal with it. There's no artificial sugar, at least. It's more just rather than being too precious about what I'm drinking, because God knows I never was before. It's more just I prefer to eat my sugar rather than drink it. But this Mm. is lovely and dry. And it says on the side, it's like a summer meadow in a can. And I disagree. I think it's like drinking a G&T in a summer meadow in a can. (laughs) And I'm very, very happy with that. Helen, we're going into January, which is not my favourite time of year, to put it mildly. Mm. It always makes me think that I should suddenly be looking up some insane diet or eating (laughs) 500 shrubs a week. And it just makes me go slightly insane. You've obviously never done dry January because just absolutely not relevant Mm. to you at all. Or every January has been dry January alternatively. (laughs) It's one of the two. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Do you ever get caught up in New Year's resolutions at all? I try not to. I have done them. I say I've done them. I have tried to do them. Not always successfully. I, I am trying to eat a bit healthier this New Year's just yeah. because I've eaten an enormous amount over Christmas. What? After Christmas? I know. No. So unlike me. I was staying with my brother and his family this Christmas and they just had almost decorated the house with chocolate coins. So you just yes. sort of wander through a room and pick up a chocolate coin and eat it, you know, mm. um, which was lovely, but perhaps not conducive to feeling 100% like a healthy person. So yes, I am going to try and eat a bit healthier, but I'm trying not to put limits on it. And I also find personally, this is just me, I actually eat better if I have some chocolate stashed in the house. Mm. That way I don't feel that sort of panic of, oh my God, even if I want a treat, there's no treat here. So I have a a little bit of chocolate sort of set aside after Christmas that is there if I need it. And I won't just go across the street to the shop and buy two packs of biscuits and neck them all at once. Not that I would ever do that, of course. I'm a very sophisticated person. Mm. I won't be exactly doing a resolution, but I am trying to do a bit better by myself Mm. as in for me and get back to the gym and stuff like that how about you are you I tried dry January a couple Mm. of times and that combination of it being so disgusting outside the feeling that there wasn't any excitement on the horizon for at least a month if not two June part Mm. two isn't out until March (laughs) I mean uh, I don't know what to look forward to. I'm doing the countdown calendar on your behalf, (laughs) Helen. Helen will be happy in two months time but no I, I tried it and I think maybe it's because coming straight after all the indulgence and delight and candles and joy and fun and noise of Christmas. It just feels a little too much like exiling myself into, I don't know, prison Mm. in in my own house. So didn't really get on with that. And I did try Sober October as well. That was a bit different because that was for charity. So I think I did manage Sober October once and therefore was just like, everything's fine. This is great. I've raised that money. But I needed that fundraising aspect to keep me in line. And actually, when I did stop drinking alcohol for good, it was in August. And there's right. no... There's no particular... No rhyme or reason for o- August at all. Drogus? Drog- no, that sounds terrible. It sounds like a baddie in a fantasy book. I read that the sales of Tesco's non-alcoholic stuff goes up in leaps and bounds in June of all times. Mm. And I don't know whether it's just that 
the weather gets up there and people decide that they don't want to be white wine werewolves. It might literally just be hydration. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I've never grasped that concept, Helen. <laughs> no. I have my water bottle with me as ever. It's an interesting time of year for people to further beat themselves up. I interviewed a Norwegian film director recently, and he talked about there's a Norwegian concept of earning your fun, right? So you have to go and suffer first, and then you can have a good time because you've suffered mm. already. And I think we've almost got it backwards with, you know, a lot of the January resolutions coming after Christmas, you've had a great time, you've absolutely cut loose, you've forgotten all measure of moderation for a few days, and then suddenly you're trying to eat super healthy and do dry January and probably train for a marathon or something at the same time. And it is a shock to the system in, in sometimes quite a bad way. So I think people need to give themselves a little bit of grace and a little bit of space. And even if you're doing dry January, you know, if you give yourself a day off a week, who is counting? No, it's quite. fine. If that's if that's what gets you through it and if that's what makes it feel easier. Whenever I've been trying to incorporate new habits, they've always been successful. One, if I've been truly honest about what I want to do mm -hmm. and why I need to do them. But also if they've been nice things to add in, like deprivation and denial are two of the enemies of success in that area. And I say that as somebody in ongoing recovery from binge eating disorder. Because there, of course, you get the binge and you get like a zombie trance element of it. And then you get restriction, which then causes the whole cycle to sort of happen again. And yeah. it's just not there. So I think when I've been trying dry January or anything that involves giving up anything in the past, including Lent, which I think I've managed to do once successfully, and only then because I, it was red meat and it turned out that I thought red meat was only beef. So I was just merrily <laughs> eating all these other things that absolutely were, were red meat. Um, but I think anybody who wants to try and cut down on booze or whatever, adding in something else that is nice. And that's I think that's partly idea. why we wanted to do this podcast anyway, was to highlight all of the amazing soft, non and low alcoholic options that there are now out there. And partly to make us vary what we drink as well, because mm. otherwise I'll get caught in a kombucha and Peroni zero <laughs> cycle and that'd be it. And you'll be there with Dash. Yep. Dash. A lot of dash. Dash, Helen, why? It's so boring. It, it's fine. It's <laughs> nice. It's low in sugar. It makes me feel like I'm being healthy. But I think you're absolutely right about replacing something with something else nice. And that's something that I think we're going to be talking about quite a lot. And we already have talked about in our sort of meet the host episodes is have a nice glass, put some nice ice in it, make it feel like an occasion, whatever you're drinking, even if it's not what you would normally be drinking. You know, that kind of ritual aspect is part of the niceness of the experience and, yeah. and maybe quite a big part. And maybe you don't really realize how much of a part of it it is until you take the alcohol out of the equation. It makes me feel better. It certainly makes me feel like I'm giving myself a treat, even if there is water in the glass. Yeah, it's the framing of it, I think. I very often thought that non-alcoholic drinks were very much like 10th place compared to anything with alcohol in it, because alcohol was the thing that was going to change my mood, which was why when I gave up booze, I just went and hammered black coffee for, well, years. But if you've got something delicious in that glass that you've sort of looked up and feel excited about, even if you'd make it a challenge, even if you don't give up alcohol and you actually just make it your challenge to try 15 different non-alcoholic or soft drinks throughout the month. Um, it's like the concept of fun year's resolutions. There was this wonderful viral tweet during the rounds at Christmas in which one of the ideas that came up was trying like 50 new pasta shapes in, in the yes. year. <laughs> I love that. I thought that that is fun. Mm. Yeah. I have a New Year's resolution for us both. Ooh. When the weather gets better, we should go to the Green No House. This is something we both yes. talked about for a long time. I've been meaning to do it for at least 10 summers since I discovered where it was. 
and I've completely failed to do the day trip. This year, we're going to do the day trip. This would be amazing. This is um, my favourite Christmas book, The Children of Green Know by Lucy M. Boston. There's also the BBC version, which you can watch on YouTube whilst doing tedious admin. But also, Helen, I think in the case of these cans, we've got our perfect gin and a tin alternative. <gasps> Train trip. Hurrah. We have a guest. We have Ooh. our first guest Hooray. for our first episode, which is super exciting. Whilst we're talking about all areas of soft drinks, you can't ignore the elephant in the room, which is dry January, and that a bunch of people, you possibly listening as well, are tentatively going, oh God, I'm just going to have a miserable month without booze. So we've got the fabulous Helen McGinn to tell us all about her experience with dry January and also her proper non-alcoholic drinks recommendations. You'll know her from Saturday Kitchen, where she does the most brilliant wine recommendations and all sorts of brilliant drinks from her hilarious instagram knackered mother she's on loads of podcasts as well and she's just the most warm fabulous presence she knows so much about not just wine not just alcohol not just drinks in general but also the flavor the palette of why we like all these sorts of things she's written a series of absolutely phenomenal books and also now four novels and her fourth the island of dreams is out in 2024 and back in 2016 she wrote what she lovingly calls her pamphlet which is now called teetotal tipples for january and beyond not just sort of the booze alternatives that you can buy but also ones you can make at home which is really really nice and she calls it her pamphlet because back then there just weren't really any good alternatives non-alcoholic beer was only really starting out and it was just the land of elderflower cordial but here we go here's helen again i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The issue I've always had with the whole dry January thing anyway is the all or nothingness about it, which I think is a very unhealthy attitude to have with alcohol in the first place. So I guess I'm more little and often. And as I get older, it's less little and less often because I can't drink like I used to. But that's the bit that worries me about the whole thing always is this idea of just taking something away completely for a month or however long it is. And then it's almost like it gives you free range to go mad afterwards. And that in itself is, it just doesn't feel like a very sensible approach. I think certainly something that I found on the couple of occasions that I 
tried unsuccessfully to do dry January, <laughs> sober October, any of those things, was exactly that, that feeling of having something taken away rather than being given something. I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your experience with dry January, because you, you did it quite a while ago, didn't you? I like did it. A couple it. of years after it was set up. Yeah, I did. I did it probably about eight-ish years ago now, something like that. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I did it because I was paid to do it because I was, <laughs> I was writing an article about for a newspaper about doing dry January, but it was actually pegged to an experiment to see what difference it made to my skin over a month. I had my face scanned by this whizzy machine in a clinic in London, and it was towards the end of December. So, I mean, I really had had a few weeks of drinking more than I would normally anyway. And then I had a dry January, and then at the end of that month had my face scanned again to see the difference and rather depressingly there was a massive difference I mean a massive difference in everything in the hydration of my skin in how I looked because I had slept better with not drinking so I mean there's no doubt about it you do just look a million times better so so that is why I did it and actually I think part of the reason for then writing my book or as my friend called it my pamphlet on not drinking because it was quite a short book I wrote that because back then and as I say this is quite a while ago I couldn't believe how difficult it was to find nice things to drink Mm. in January. So not only are you missing out on something that should be one of life's small pleasures, but there wasn't really anything to me that felt grown up to drink in place of wine. I mean, I'm not really a beer drinker anyway, because now in the whole no and low space, I think beer is by far the easiest thing to find good examples of. But, you know, wine, back then there was hardly anything. And still to this day, I think I really struggle to find a good non-alcoholic wine. Agreed. So that's why I, I, that's where I started thinking, right, I'm going to write a book, pamphlet, on things that you can make easily at home that are a good replacement. And it was about the ritual of making yourself a drink as well, taking time to put some nice ingredients together and make it look lovely in the glass and create a little bit of, not theatre, because that's too big a word for it, like a little treat to yourself. So that's what I wanted it to be. One of the things that I loved most about your book are the recipes, particularly because it's not, here's a mocktail, here's a version of X, Y and Z drink. But you are bringing all those years when you were working in the wine industry, that that complicated, dry, tanniny deliciousness that so many of us love from wine and finding that in soft drinks rather than just going oh here's a tango go for your life or an elderflower cordial yeah this is the thing I just cannot stand elderflower cordial and the sugary ones which is why I so appreciated things like you combine coffee and tonic yeah flavours that I just it would never occur to me but absolutely jump out of the glass at you have you got any others that you'd that you'd recommend as sort of easy starters it's so interesting you say that because that's exactly what I was trying to find was I was trying to find drinks that had layers of flavour and that had interesting flavour and Mm. also a slight texture thing too you know because when you've got tannin in wine I wanted to find that really or or something about it in my soft drinks and that's where the coffee tonic works so well because you do get that bite from the coffee and then the tonic is really refreshing and it's so simple to make and it's really cheap so I think it was about trying to find those drinks with more interest in there more flavour and the one area I think that again back when I wrote it the only real sort of non-alcoholic drink in that space at the time was Seedlip and I'm sure lots Mm. of your listeners will be very familiar with the Seedlip story but when it was first launched there really was nothing like it and now that space is very crowded but the area that I really love and I think is 
come on a long way since writing that book is the whole botanical drinks area. When I was writing that book, I learned how to make shrubs, for example. And I love the idea of making a simple shrub yourself, which is apple cider vinegar based. Mm -hmm. And then you can put whatever flavours you like in there. And I always try and balance something like strawberries and basil or pear and star anise. Get two flavours that would work together in a recipe and put those into a drink. This feels like a really good use of that gorgeous book. I can't remember the name of the author. I think it's Nikki somebody, but the flavour thesaurus. I love that book. Tell me more about making shrubs because I didn't make banana bread or sourdough in lockdown. I just made kombucha. And as a result, I never want to make kombucha (laughs) ever again. It was such a massive bath. I love drinking shrubs, but it's just never something that occurred to me. Are they they reasonably easy to make? Oh my God, they're so easy to make. They're so easy to make. And in fact, I then got so into them that I had lots of other recipes. But because I'd done my one and only dry book, when my publisher said, do you want to do another one? I was like, oh, no, thank you. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I then did a homemade cocktails book. And actually in that book, I put a few more homemade shrub recipes that you can use in alcoholic or non-alcoholic drinks, just because it's such a versatile thing to have in your fridge, you know, a little jar of whatever yeah. shrub you happen to make that week. And it will last happily for a month and you can just mix it with tonics or soda water or whatever you want to really. So what's the sort of Blue Peter Fisher-Price version of a shrubs recipe is it literally just apple cider vinegar probably reasonably decent stuff plus insert fruit plus leave how do you make Uh, one sugar you do Ah, you put sugar in there as well and some people don't like the idea of sugar but to me it goes back to the balance of flavors i want to drink something delicious and i don't mind if there's sugar in there if it's in there for a reason because it's balancing all the other flavors and the sugar does hold the fruit flavor and if you just had fruit and apple cider vinegar it would still just taste of apple cider vinegar essentially so if you're going to flavor it you do need some sugar to help you do that job and help balance it I mean I spent months playing around with these recipes and then just came up with a very simple one that you can then apply to whatever fruits you want to do so that was the idea the other thing that I did find frustrating was the fact that it doesn't feel like if you are not going to drink it doesn't feel fair that you are paying a lot of money to drink something that doesn't have alcohol in there it's not taxed in the same way I know that really you get what you pay for in drink but at the same time to pay £20 for a non-alcoholic spirit to me just felt a bit off. No, agreed. I still have a very Grinchian attitude towards paying yeah. sort of uh, full gin prices for things yeah. that aren't. I might change my mind for Sentier, which I tried recently and was quite fascinating. I haven't really explored the world of functional alternative alcohol things so much, but I think they're quite interesting. Have you come across those at all? I have, and I have had to try some out for pieces that I've been researching and writing. I like the idea of them, but at the same time, did they create the same buzz? For me personally, no. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more about flavour, and I want it to be about flavour. I haven't been converted yet. You know, never say never. Well, thinking of some of the other knackered mums, people, just everybody, to be honest, at this time of year, it's not the greatest time to give something up. What are some good ways to relax, switch off without that trope of getting a massive wine glass, pouring half a bottle into it? Where I came from when I wrote The Knackered Mother's Wine Guide was because I'd done 10 years as a wine buyer for a supermarket. And then I had been pregnant for five years. And the narrative back then was very much the kind of frazzled mum on a sofa with a massive glass of wine. And she didn't really care what she was drinking. And that wasn't my experience. I really did care what I was drinking. It's just that I was a supermarket wine buyer for 10 years. So I like drinking quite cheap wine. (laughs) I mean, you know, but I care what it is. 
is and I want it to taste good and I care about where it comes from and who's made it. So I think that's really what I was trying to do without coming across at all hair-shirted about it. Yeah. I just felt there were lots of my friends I knew who still wanted to have a glass of wine and enjoy it. They definitely weren't drinking like they used to. You get older, you have children, all that kind of stuff. Nobody can really function on a hangover anymore. Well, certainly for me, as soon as I hit 40, those days were long gone. So I'm going to drink less but better. And that's really where I was trying to get to was talk to the people I knew who were saying, actually, I do care about what I've got in my glass and I want to understand more about it so I can shop better and find nice things. That's why the whole frazzled mum thing, I've found that quite irritating. For me, that's not my experience and it's not the experience of a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, both in my previous job as a wine buyer and then writing the Knack Mother's Wine Guide. That's the thing, isn't it? Because it's just sort of normalising the idea that the only way to relax or unwind or deal with things is to apply alcohol to the problem. And it feels like, fingers crossed, in 2024 now, we've got a few more things to add to that toolkit. And I was just wondering what sort of things are in yours and your friends when you don't want to necessarily have a booze or if somebody is doing sober October or dry January or just having some time off. If in a perfect world, if I could be left alone on the sofa with a book for more than 10 minutes without somebody coming and asking me where something is or what's for supper or (laughs) that's my dream way of relaxing is having a moment to sit with my book that's like my holy grail often it's getting over that first drink so because I work in the wine trade and I've worked in the wine trade for about 30 years which is quite terrifying in itself I am acutely aware of what happens when your relationship with alcohol goes wrong because I've worked in that industry for a long time so it's something I've always been mindful of and I guess in a way it's probably why it's made me quite controlled about the way Mm. I drink I will always have a certain number of booze free days a week anyway and I'm in a very lucky position that I've usually got something quite different to try on the non-alcoholic front but very often if it's something that I am just having I will have a tonic or soda with a botanical drink these weren't really around eight years ago but things like Bativo is on the side now Pentire is another one on the side Mother Root which is a switchel is another one I've always got a bottle of that in my fridge and I find if you just have that one drink at seven o'clock and, and make a bit of time to make yourself a nice drink once I've had that I'm past the bit where I'm thinking I want a glass of wine tell me about switchel because that's a name that only popped up in my vision a couple of years ago It's apple cider vinegar based and mother root is one that is, well, her main one is ginger, which I love. That was her original one. And Bethan, who launched it, she worked in the wine trade for years. So again, her whole mission was trying to create something with flavour. And she invented Mother Root when she was on maternity leave, I think. Same as me, she'd been through the whole non-drinking thing and got frustrated that there was nothing out there really that suited her. But, you know, rather than me, which is write a pamphlet, complaining about it she actually invented a whole brand and has been really successful with it so hers is ginger I think she's got a bit of chili in there and a bit of honey and she now does a bitter orange one as well which is Seville oranges so you've got that sort of bittersweet and you just add a dash of that to tonic or soda and it is delicious really delicious I'm actually on the waiting list for the next time that that bitter orange one opens up because I think they only do it a couple of times a year and it looks absolutely flipping amazing. It really is. And she makes it, in. I mean, the bigger batches than she used to when she started. It really was at her kitchen table when she started, but they do sell out really quickly. So you just have to get your order in there. 
on the subject of apple cider vinegar, again, that's not something that I would ever have thought of drinking, whether mixed with soda, which is perfectly nice on its own, or as the base of another drink. And yet it just seems to work, particularly for people that have drunk alcohol or also like to drink booze. What is it about ACV based drinks that works? Otherwise, it just sounds a bit cranky and a bit. Why it am I does. drinking vinegar? I think it goes back to this idea that you can layer up flavour. Another great one, Duke's Cordiality is really good. That's Matthew Dukes, who is a wine writer. I've known him for years and years in professional capacity, but he's also a friend of mine and a very clever man indeed who saw that gap in the market for a wine alternative. And he too had got to the point where we realised that if you take alcohol out of wine, you're basically just left with grape juice. <laughs> And what most people fill that hole with is sugar. So instead of trying to create a non-alcoholic wine, he went down the apple cider vinegar route and has got red, white and rosé version. And again, you just mix them with sparkling water or tonic, if you like, whatever you like, or still water. And they have got that kind of savoury tang to them, which is what works really well, because it really does give your taste buds something to work with. It's interesting. It makes you think about the flavour, makes you think about what you're drinking. And they, these are not drinks that you sit and glug either. You sip no. them like you would sip a glass of wine. And that's just brilliant. I came across Dukes when I was at Wimbledon earlier this year and was just like, oh, hello, what is this almost tastes like wine without obviously being wine? And I've <laughs> since carted cans of the ready-made versions <laughs> yeah. around England with me whenever I go anywhere. It's well, he uses fantastic. he uses waste grape skins from a winery in Battersea. His oh, workshop is brilliant. next to an urban winery. So he's he's using skins that would otherwise, you know, they, they wouldn't be thrown away, but they'd, you know, end up in compost or whatever. And um he was like, oh, I think I might have a go with making, you know, so he he macerates those skins with his liquid. And that's what helps give it the flavour and colour and all sorts of things. God, that's so clever. And we can all feel a bit smug about doing our bit to help waste as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Having our drinks. Well, those were two sort of new discoveries for me last year. Are there any good ingredients, brands or new launches that we should keep an eye out for in, in this year? There has been a bit of a breakthrough on the wine front. It did launch this year, but actually I think we'll see more of it next year. And that is Zeno wines, which are in Waitrose at the moment. And there's a red, white and sparkling. They've been created for well, two people who have worked in the wine trade for years, but also they've worked with a master of wine. So they really set out to make a non-alcoholic wine. And that to me is more interesting because instead of just stripping out the alcohol and putting it in a bottle and saying, well, it, it, it's similar enough. This really flavour wise, I think it's quite a big improvement on what I've seen before. In my job, I am asked every single day for a recommendation for a non-alcoholic wine, which, you know, it shows that there is a thirst for it. There are people who are looking for that so I think Zeno is one of those that is quite interesting but Torres they've got a brand called Naturio it's been around for about 20 years but they did use technology they were one of the first to adopt the technology that removes the alcohol more gently it doesn't heat it up quite so much so you don't lose as much flavor for me they are still the ones to beat to be honest but there are some that I've tasted that honestly you just taste them and you think why hasn't anybody in this process tasted this and put their hand up and said actually this doesn't taste very nice <laughs> my father-in-law stopped drinking for a long period a couple of years ago and he was very game about just getting everything non-alcoholic into the house yeah. and trying it and as a result I have drunk so much appalling <laughs> red <laughs> red in inverted commas wine yeah. it's just like yeah. And white wine, it just tastes like a horrendous stress dream in a bottle, basically. So <laughs> thrilling that there are a couple of 
a couple of possibilities on the cards yeah. for people. What non-alcoholic drink would you put in a theoretical Hall of Fame? Which one's your keeper? You don't see it around as much now, but back then, Seedlip deserves a place just because it was such yeah. a massive game changer. Ben, who founded Seedlip and has since moved on, he's just launched these two new little, they look like bitters, like you would add bitters to tonic. He's got two and there's one dark and one zesty. So the zesty is green and light, think bright flavours, and the dark is smoky and earthy. And you just add a few drops to whatever you're drinking. It could be an alcoholic cocktail or it could just be a non-alcoholic cocktail or just tonic water. He very kindly sent me two of those from his first production run, which I've got. And I have been using those constantly. I don't think it's got any big listings yet. But knowing Ben, I would imagine in the new year they will pop up on a shelf near you at some point but you can get them online now season so it's s-e-a-s-n basically saying you season your drinks one is like salt mm. one's like pepper that's the idea such a good idea and just being able to take down the sweetness or just dial up the complexity a bit more like a little pot of flavors it doesn't change the drink completely but it adds enough interest for you to sit and think what am i tasting mm. here that's really nice you raised a really interesting point talking about ben and seedlip there because obviously diageo bought a fairly significant stake in Seedlip a little while ago. And we are seeing so many more of the really big players launching zero options, either of their own drinks or launching new brands. What are you seeing in that landscape from the traditional big alcohol players and their attitudes towards non-alcoholic options? Well, I think where it's happening and it's good is in beer. The fact that you've got Guinness Zero now, I've tasted them side by side and I could, you know, there's a difference, but it is minimal because there is so much going on flavor wise anyway. So I think lots more good things will happen in beer, continue to happen in beer. In spirits, less so. I mean, there are a few gin brands that I would say they're 0% still gives you that experience that it's worth paying for. But most of them, I just don't think they work as well. Yeah. The area I'm interested in, and I can see a lot happening, is that botanical space that we've talked about. Brands like Three Spirits have been doing it for years with their layering up of flavours and very plant-based. And I yeah. love that. That is a really interesting area. And it just feels more in tune with what we're looking for. Yeah, you know, and they're one of the functional alcohol alternatives, I think, which is a very laboured way of saying it gives a little bit of a buzz. And that's a, an interesting field that will probably develop a bit more, I guess, over the next few years. I'm sure. But, you know, it's really funny on the functional ones. It's a bit like the CBD drinks. Again, drunk those and sat there and thought, I'd actually just rather have a really nice kind of <laughs> something that I'm not sitting there waiting for something to happen and nothing yes. happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's not going to happen. There is an element of being a teenager in the body shop with like some hemp <laughs> body butter or something going, is this what being stoned is like? But no, it's, they're, they're lovely options out there and it's nice. There are fun things to play with. Thank you so much, Helen, for setting us up, not just for January, a wider year of options. It's really nice as well that we are now in a space where people that still enjoy alcohol are quite happy to drink some of the non-booze options. Like my husband is very keen on the Guinness Zero as you said, the non-alcoholic beers, like Big Drops and yeah, companies yeah, were yeah, always really yeah, super. Yeah, like you say, all of those, they have done brilliant work. I think wine needs to play catch-up. Sparkling is the best performer at the moment in wine, but, you know, they've Rude. got work to do. But there's loads out there now. That is the joy of it. You've got choice. And I think before, the choice was very limited, and now there is choice, and that's a great thing. 
Helen, I'm afraid I've got to add Helen McGinn to my list of Helens who <gasps> I absolutely love. Oh, well, I mean, that, I, I understand that. That's, she is fabulous, so yeah. I'll allow it. No, a total legend. Um, her, her pamphlet has been reissued with a few different names, and one of them is a wine expert's guide to the best booze-free drinks. So basically, if you just had rummage online or wherever you'd like to get your books, we've also popped a bunch of Helens into our bookshop.org store, which you can find by searching Pop Culture Soft Drinks Podcasts. And we've put our own books in there. We've put our guest books uh, all sorts of things. So if you want to have a look at anything to do with not drinking alcohol, it might be helpful for dry January or just a jolly read. You can go there. I'm going to try a switchel in the near yes, future. Yes, now please. that I know they exist, and it's not a word I'd ever heard before. Uh, we talked to, to Helen in preparation for this podcast. I'm going to be investigating switchels, which are basically gingery, vinegary drinks. And it sounds so completely revolting when we say it like that. And then the reality <laughs> is delicious. When we spoke to Helen previously, she mentioned Mother Root London do a beautiful ginger switchel, but also that they do a limited edition bitter orange, almost marmalade one. Yes, I've been trying to get it ever since, and it seems to have sold out everywhere before Christmas. So I'm still on the case. Yeah, I've uh, joined the waiting list. I'll just wait for that and then come one week bearing bottles. And Helen, we have also actually had some messages Ooh. from lovely listeners, which Ooh, is wonderful. We have listeners. I'm immediately <laughs> excited. A lovely post bag, I think, which is so nice. You can email us popculturedrinkspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram where we're popculturedrinkspodcast. Or you can bother me and Helen on Instagram and Twitter because we always love a chat. So this is from Lottie. Dear Kat and Helen, I go through long periods of not drinking and my husband is currently not drinking for medical reasons, so here's what we have found to be good. Fever Tree Mexican Lime and Yuzu Soda. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. I prefer it in the cans, for reasons unspecified, but I think because it makes it more like an alcoholic drink than pouring it out of a bottle. Doesn't really make sense. Anyway, it's crisp and tart and grown up and delightful. 10 out of 10. We also like Dash Sparkling Water with Mango, which is again interesting without being too sweet. I never thought I would be a sparkling water person, but here we are. Hope this is helpful and best wishes, Lottie. Oh, uh, how lovely. People do start having very strong ideas about cans or bottles. Mm -hmm. Look, it's, sometimes it can be location specific. I think on the train, as we were just discussing, 100% mm -hmm. can all the way, no question. At home, I tend to go both ways. Gosh, that sounds very innuendo heavy. There are times you just want something immediate and coming out of the can is great. And also, you know, like we've discussed with the nice glass and the ice and the whole thing can be also lovely. That's it. I also think developing particular preferences around sparkling water is the most glamorous thing because I've just <laughs> never known the difference. Either that or I've just gone for tap. So I do quite like that you were a dash girl and I like feel good. That makes mm. me feel like... I mean, again, in the most mundane, low stakes way, January jets and, jets and sharks sort of thing. But Lottie, wishing you and your husband good health in the new year and forevermore. And thank you so much for writing in. We've also had a note from lovely Sarah Manning, who's a brilliant books journalist and the utterly addictive author of a massive backlist of novels, a lot of which have been hoovered up by both me and my book club. And she writes, a shout out to Waitrose, brackets, it has to be Waitrose, cloudy lemonade with no added sugar. It has to be no mm. added sugar is refreshingly sharp and tart enough that it feels like there might be some gin or vodka in there served with much ice and maybe a splash of elderflower cordial oh interesting so we're mixing the cloudy lemonade and the elderflower cordial those are two sort of i'm being fancy drinks of my adolescence but mm. i had never put the two together i like the idea of just having the splash as well so that one doesn't take over and become a bit too mm. sweet and, and grim and actually those big 
like serious business lemonades can really take a bit of extra sweetness quite well. So that's delicious. Um, oh, a cordial fan writes, Helen. I, I need to know <laughs> if you've had this one over Christmas. Um, Karen writes, Robinson's lime and mint cordial, especially made with sparkling water, is awesome. Not too sweet. Feels like a grown up drink. Very thirst quenching. Cannot recommend highly enough. I have had that and it is very popular in my household because um, basically my brother's a really big mojitos fan, but is also oh. the father of two small children. <laughs> so can't exactly be necking mojitos all the time. So he often has that one as a sort of substitute for some of the same taste. We, this Christmas, we tried that same. So that's basically one of the fancy Robinson's cordials in the glass bottles rather than the big, mm. you know, rather than the big ones you got at football practice yeah. when you were five. So we had the blackberry, cranberry and slow oh. one over Christmas, which was very nice. And then we also had a pressed pear and elderflower one which had just enough pairiness to not be too elderflowery oh that is very nice so yeah those are both very good so but i'm absolutely here also for the uh, fake mojito-ness not that i've ever had a mojito but i've had many virgin mojitos mm. and it does give you some of the same idea you've also just reminded me with that mention of slow cotswold tara on instagram message to recommend fever trees damson and slow tonic mm. I mean, in her case, she was mixing it with gin, but she also said that it was just the most gorgeous, Christmassy, exciting deliciousness, even with or without, without, with or without the booze. I haven't seen that in the shops, but I'll keep an eye out and hopefully manage to get my hands on a bottle because that would be delicious. Over on our Instagram, which is Pop Culture Drinks Podcast, Sarah says, Hiya, I got your Instagram from Lizzie, who's a sober butterfly. Oh, side note, I looked up what on earth a sober butterfly was. It is a really lovely collective largely on Instagram, but obviously they've got a big website as well. And it connects people that want to do like activities that aren't based around booze. Oh. Like all, there's different ones all around the UK. Um, and there were lots of, to my mind, slightly terrifying pictures of cheery people going gorge walking, which is also known as canyoning, Ooh. Um, which I did once and nearly had a heart attack over because it was very high. But I, th- I think that just sounds absolutely lovely, like finding support not just new pals and everything, but sort of new activities. Because mm. you know, when you stop drinking, you can be, a, you can feel very much like, what the hell am I going to do now? I think a lot of people use, not not even use drinking to socialise, but are accustomed to drink mm. to socialise, and the two have become intertwined for them. And it can be, I'm not going to lie, it can be difficult. I am not nature's most sociable, easygoing person. It is sometimes quite nerve wracking to go out totally sober and introduce yourself to new people and negotiate a party where you don't know a lot of yeah. new folk or whatever. So stuff like that sounds absolutely fantastic. What a great idea. Yeah, really nice. So that's the Sober Butterfly Collective. And back to Sarah's note, she says, my favourite non-alcoholic drink is Credina. It's bright orange and sparkly and poured over ice. It's the perfect alternative to an Aperol. I sometimes mix it with an Ozeko. Yes, Sarah. Perfect on a summer's day or as a Christmas treat. Helen, you are engaged to be married to an Italian. Tell um, me about Credino. Yeah, he's a very big fan of it. This is his treat. He's also not really a drinker. He'll have some of his mum's limoncello once in a blue moon and that's it. But he does have a crudino often if we go to a nice Italian restaurant. And they are very... Okay, I haven't had an Aperol, obviously, but I've seen them. I'm aware of the phenomenon. I'm aware of the bright, glaringly orange colour of them. And it seems to scratch that itch. But it's kind of... It is very sweet, but not uncomplicated. You know, there's mm. a little bit of an edge to it as well, almost like the, the orange peel and not just the orangeness. Yeah. There's something almost medicinal about the edge of it, but in, in a pleasant way, that I think would be similar to an Aperol. What do we call that if it's an Aperol and, a, a, you know, Crudino and a Nosecco? Is that a 
no parole or something. <laughs> I mean, that does sound a bit like Calpol. So, <laughs> and I'm fairly sure that parents around the world wish that there was an adulty version of Calpol. I think you'd just call it just a Credina Sprit. Credina Spritz, really. Hmm, fair it? enough. Yeah. Well, that's not all the recommendations we've had. We also uh, received quite a lot of voice notes and voice recordings of listeners recommending their own favourite non-alcoholic drinks. Um, Kat has very kindly put cut those together for us. So here are some of your recommendations. Please enjoy. Hi Kat and Helen, this is Genevieve. I'm a long-time teetotaler who confusingly doesn't drink tea either. I wanted to get in touch with a couple of recommendations for anyone trying out the sober life for dry January, and I reckon these ones might even make you consider extending it. For cider fans, I love the 0% Galapet, which is just so appley and delicious. Definitely pretty sweet too, in case that's not your thing. I can usually find it at my local Waitrose. If wine is your drink, I'm a huge fan of Lantidote, which blends Gamay grape juice with 15 herbs, as well as apple, ginger, and lemon. It is a real treat and a bit of a luxury at around £15 a bottle. You can currently get it from Wright's Wines. Hope you enjoy. Bye. Hello, it's Will here. My non-alcoholic drink of choice is Lucky Saint. I always keep it in the fridge. So instead of going for the tonic or a glass of wine, it gives me the same sense that I'm having a lovely drink. It's got great flavour, it's great taste, and I find it really works for me. They have always got a couple of deals on here and there, which is always quite good, and I have it on repeat orders so that I don't have to think about it. That's what gets me through. So just thought I'd let you know. Lots of love. For me, January is such a bleak time of year. I like to try and extend some of the comfort and treats of Christmas for as long as I can. So I think actually a mulled apple is really nice this time of year. You can't really go wrong with recipe. Warm some apple juice, bring in honey, cinnamon, cloves, slices of lemon or orange, whatever you've got. It's just warm and comforting and you don't feel like you're missing out on the alcohol. I went out to a little brunch thing a few months ago with people who didn't fancy drinking and the restaurant had a really nice kombucha cocktail so it felt a bit fancy, a bit eventish, but it was a soft drink and it was really nice. When I was a kid also, I used to pretend super malt was like a bottle of beer. So even as a very grown adult, sometimes if I don't want to drink alcohol but want to feel like I'm having a bit of a something, I might just grab a bottle of super malt, which has got that obviously malty flavour, but it's completely uh, alcohol free. Hi, my name is Jane Perona and I'm host of Houseplant Podcast on the Ledge. Have you ever seen a cola nut? No, nor had I until I started drinking Fever Trees Madagascan Cola, which unlike most other modern colas, actually does contain the cola nut, which is the origin of the name. They look a bit like a giant pomegranate seed. I guess you could say they're red and they're uh, sort of an odd shape. I think the term for it is prismatic, according to Wikipedia. But the cola nut really adds something to this cola. It's a really rich, complicated flavour that I really enjoy. And if you like drinks like rum and coke and you just want something that feels a bit more sophisticated, I can recommend this Madagascan cola. Also try any Mexican colas you can get your hands on. I tried these recently for the first time in a trip to Canada, of all places. But you can get some of these in the UK. There's a brand called, I think it's Doritos. I'm probably pronouncing that horrifically, but Check out the Mexican Colas too if you like Coke as a mixer in alcoholic drinks but just want to leave out the alcohol. That's my top tip. Enjoy. 
So I really love an Italian aperitivo called Crodino, which they sell in lots of supermarkets now because it tastes just like an Aperol Spritz, but with no booze at all. So it is a wonderful thing. Um, I hope you enjoy. This is Lee contributing my best ranked soft drinks. You might think orange juice is a little bit too sweet sometimes, a little bit too acidic. Anytime you're on an airplane and they're offering juices, ask them to give you half orange, half cranberry juice. Very simple, but it's amazing. You've got to try it. Any of you who have tried the old style non-alcoholic lager from a few years ago with a bit of a weird sweetness to it, but have not tried the new generation are highly recommended to do so. Heineken Zero, Bex Blue, always a classic. Free Dam, alcohol-free version of Estrella Dam. All three of them are excellent. Heineken, probably my go-to. Hi, Kat. My name's Emma Morton-Turner, and I have the Inside Stylists podcast all about interior styling. Small backstory. I am totally addicted to Dr. Pepper and Coke. It was getting out of hand, so I needed another drink when I was out. So I decided to do something that we now lovingly call Bingo Bongo. Here in the UK, we have a drink called Ribena. It's a blackcurrant squash. You would normally just put regular water in it. What I do is I put quite a heavy dose in, top it up with sparkling water, and I freeze ice cubes with fruit in, usually strawberries and raspberries because as it dissolves it becomes this really fruity punch and because it's got bubbles it tastes really refreshing i would highly recommend it to anyone who's going through dry january because it's a good flavor and you don't feel like you're missing out it's not that you're not drinking something with alcohol in you are drinking something that you can really enjoy enjoy happy new year i really like busy bees because it's delicious and fizzy and it makes dry jan a delight although i prefer doing dry jan in a less depressing month because january is quite bleak anyway so i'm not right big on this dry january nonsense but I'm a teacher and I do try quite hard not to drink on school nights. So in the evenings it is often herbal tea and I love yogi tea which is mostly at health food shops and it's alarmingly hippie. They come beautifully wrapped with little tags on that offer words of wisdom. So I've just opened one and it says recognize that the other person is you which is possibly a bit deeper than I want my cuppa to go. But they come in about 11 billion flavors my current favorite is they do a turmeric chai which is just sort of warming and energizing on an evening when i'm doing the clearing up their classic one is just full of cinnamon and it's the right exactly the right thing to curl up with on the sofa on a cold night with a blanket and a box set and they do one called women's energy which is just insanely pink i still rather old-fashioned or a negroni though sorry I just listened to Jo's and must say I do agree with almost everything she said. I had a Negroni today at lunchtime. It was rather delicious. Don't really believe in dry January. So my offer would be, if I can't have a whiskey, then I would have a rather national drink and Hawaiian brew. However, I did have a lovely herbal tea on the cruise called African Solstice, which was very beautiful. So that's my observations. Well, that was awesome, and I can't wait to try it, each and every one of those, um, frankly. Yeah, I'm feeling quite a long like online grocery order happening. <laughs> Me too. Um, if you have got a favourite drink that we haven't mentioned, or even one we have, or a menu that you'd like to celebrate or shame, then do please email us at popculturedrinkspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, we are at popculturedrinkspodcast. We also have got, obviously, the lovely 
bookshop front that Kat mentioned. So if you go to bookshop.org, you will find lots of resources there. Our favourite non-alcoholic books, books by us and books by our guests. So if you just go to bookshop.org and search for pop culture, the soft drinks podcast, those should come right up. Helen, I've got one last piece of intel for you. Did you know that Dry January didn't actually begin in 2013 with Alcohol Change UK's campaign, but actually in 1942? What? I know. Let me blow your mind just for a minute here. Uh, It's when Finland launched Sober January, which I'm about to murder. Um, Raitis Tamiku? Ooh. My finish is rusty. One might say non-existent. (laughs) But yeah, they started this as part of a war effort against the Soviet Union. And the idea was is that they were getting the entire country to rally round through newspaper campaigns. And it was intended to sort of improve the health of its soldiers and the wider populace, who understandably were leaning on the booze quite a lot. This all coming still reasonably fresh off not just the memories of the First World War, but the lingering effects of that. So it is interesting that there have been these prolonged periods through history. The key thing here is that they were doing it for something. Mm. And actually, the woman that came up with the idea of Dry January Emily Robinson, she originally had her first dry January in 2011, inspired, I think, by somebody in America because she was training for a half marathon. Mm. So if you have something behind it, again, why Sober October and the fundraising can work quite well, then all power to you. But if you're just doing it because you've had too much fun, then it's probably not going to go so well. So maybe if you think about adding in some of the recommendations that listeners have given, listeners have given, that listeners have given, And goodness me, I clearly need to have some of them too, just to remember how to speak after all the quality street I've gargled with over the last couple of weeks. Then maybe that's how you can sort of look at dry January this time. And if you do want to have like a concentrated month off the booze, then if you want it to go well, then maybe pick a time of year which has something to compensate for it. And when you can go out and do other things without necessarily booze having to be one of them. What do you think, Helen? Absolutely true. And I think January can be a not fun month, so make it as fun as possible. Go see some movies. All the awards movies are coming out right now, for example. Light a candle. We're sitting in your lovely candlelit living room at the moment, and I feel like we light a lot of candles in the run-up to Christmas, and then we sort of pack them away. Maybe don't pack them away this year, you know. Do things that just feel nice. Yes. And maybe that will help you through. Just embrace that RuPaul tenet of if you can't love yourself, how can anybody else except just make it more exclusively about loving you to get through January? Amen. Take everything slowly and lovely and gently and we'll we'll have that. Helen, one last film recommendation for everybody to go and see? Well, I don't know about everybody, but I will say that Poor Things is out this January. It's one of the uh, buzzed about films of award season. It's not going to be for everyone because it's from a very weird filmmaker called Yorgos Lanthimos, who did things like The Favourite and The Lobster in the past. And it does have some sex scenes, so don't take your most easily shocked granny. Um, but it is also wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, maybe in consider my experience, it. grannies are the last ones to be shocked. <laughs> They've lived it. They've been there. No, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, you and I have also done a little appearance on the Picture House podcast, which should be around in January at some time. Sadly, I'd only seen two of the four films because I was off recording my my forthcoming audiobook for uh, It's Not a Bloody Trend. Um, When's but- that out, Kat? <laughs> oh, Helen, thanks for asking. It's out February the 1st. So kicking off a not crap month with something jolly. But Helen at least has seen all the films due to being a film critic yeah, and uh, probably being fired if she hadn't. 
It, it is somewhat frowned upon not to go see films. But this is very exciting. One of the ways you could maybe make this month less terrible is probably pre-ordering Cat's book. I'm just saying. I'm not even paying her, ladies, <laughs> gentlemen, everybody else. What a joy. Look, we'll see you next week. Lots of love. And uh, don't worry, there's loads of stuff on telly. Just go and watch that. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.